This is the Fatty Joe Show, coming to you from Casa de Cary, deep in the forests of Nutmegerville. This show is dedicated to exploring pathways to better health from a holistic perspective. In each episode, we will explore such topics as nutrition, mental and emotional health, fitness, and more. I'm Yogi, your host. And I became interested in studying health after conventional health dogma became damaging and led me to become massively overweight. Against modern convention, I went on a keto lifestyle and I lost over 300 pounds and gained a level of control on my personal health that I never had before. Now I'm on a journey to find out what is myth and what is truth in the ever convoluted world of what is considered healthy. Come join me on a journey of discovery as I look for a path to improve total health. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash Show or patreon.com slash Brown. If you want to check out all of our social media links and recipes, head to carriebrown.com. Don't forget to leave a comment, like, and subscribe to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fatty Joe Show. We are coming to you live from Casa de Cary, deep in the Nutmegger Forest. And today, my guest is Corey Mordowski. What I'm going to share with you right now is not his bio, but it's it's how I got introduced to Corey. I was on one of the same Facebook pages as he was, and I was looking for ways, different ways to work out on the truck because I was getting really bored with my typical little dumbbell set. I had posted for some help. And Corey responded and told me about these different exercises that you could do that he did with the weighted pack and not only just the rucking, but also resistance training of doing squats and push-ups and things like that with the weighted pack on to make things more interesting. And it got me really fired up for working out. And I think that was one of the, the triggers that I had for breaking one of the stalls that I had on the truck. So Corey, if you don't know, he is known as the Keto Rucker, and his catchphrase is, you did this to you. So I want to bring him on. He's going to explain what rucking is. We're going to talk a little bit about nutrition, and we're going to talk about what got him into rucking and, and what turned him on to that. So, hey, Corey, how are you doing today? I'm having a fantastic morning so far. Nice. And so you got the, the entire day off, too. So you're going to be out doing some working out and stuff today? Um, actually it's going to be mostly running errands. Uh, our half cow is ready for pickup from the processor. So me and my wife are going to drive down and pick up a half cow and then, right. uh, we got to get her some new rucking shoes. So we're going to head to, uh, a place up in Ann Arbor for that. So it's going to be a day of driving for the most part. Oh uh, yeah. I've, uh, yeah, those long errand days, they can be kind of a nice break from the routine, but at the same time, they could be a little draining. Eh, I'm, I'll, I'll be all right. I did this to me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So you talked about your wife's getting some new new footwear. What kind of shoes do you usually get for rucking? That oh, that's the big prefer? question. That's the question yeah. that everybody asks. What shoes should I ruck with? And um, Kadre Garrett explained it to me best. Is it's shooter's choice. You got to find out what works for you. 
Um, so me, I like to use uh, a pair of boots that is no longer in in uh, production. It's the Rocky C4Ts. Um, but for like everyday rucking and, and just casual stuff, Solomon's get my vote. Solomon's are good shoes. I've, I've uh, before I outgrew what Solomon's carries, I, I really enjoyed wearing their shoes. They don't generally manufacture the shoes my size anymore. Right so, but they are excellent boots and and great. They can make a great trail running shoe too. Let's explain to people and give people an introduction on what rucking actually is, because I, I've, I've, it's something I've been participating in on my own now, so I, I know somewhat about it. But you could really break this down a lot more for people and why it's such a unique approach to fitness. Well, rucking basically is you put weight in a backpack, aka a ruck, and you go walking around with it. Uh, you can do it, you know, in a nature setting and, you know, go to the national parks or your local park. You can do it in an urban setting, rock around your city and it works in the suburbs. Anywhere you've got a place where you can walk, you can rock. Now there's um, some, go ahead. There's some kind of cool things that you do with rucking too, like uh, the coupons and things like that, mm -hmm. which I didn't know about until recently. And you pointed out I had picked up a coupon. Uh, coupons are a, um, a vernacular term that we get from GORUCK. GORUCK is an organization that I kind of do a lot of endurance events with. Uh, it was founded by a Green Beret. They make a really nice rucksack. It has like a lifetime warranty and is very well built. Um, they have these endurance challenges that they set up to show how tough their backpacks are. And so... Uh, during the event, you have a, a cadre who's an instructor. He's a current or um, former special operations uh, soldier or sailor or airman. And uh, they'll, they'll take you through team building exercises. And one of the parts of the team building exercise is to pick up random objects throughout your location and carry them with you. So um, I've been on endurance events where we've carried logs, we've carried sandbags, we've carried cinder blocks, and even uh, a fire hydrant. I remember you talking about that on a podcast, and I, I was driving the truck, and I started cracking up that you guys were running around the city with a fire hydrant. Yeah, I, I imagine the city of Cleveland is still kind of wondering how that got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've... I don't know if Cleveland is the same as when I was a kid, but uh, I imagine Cleveland constantly wonders about a lot of things. The fire hydrants, probably the least of their worries. That's so, true. So I, I had family from Cleveland, and that's why I try to avoid Cleveland. Right so, but um, the uh, the rucking is a pretty unique form of exercise, and it's it's a full body exercise. It really is. You know, the the fact that you're hauling the weight on your your back. You're running with your, you know, your legs trying to get, push things uphill, downhill. You know, you it's not just your body weight. And that's mm -hmm. if you if you look at when you're coming down on your knees and your feet, and how much pressure is, is comes from just your body weight. When you add that extra weight on the ruck, it can really impact that quite a bit. And one of the things that higher impact exercise can do is help 
build that bone health when you get the right nutrition in. So I imagine you're, you're pretty much weapon X by this point. <laughs> um, the last time I got a DEXA scan, I was, I think it was at 3.2 something and the scale only goes to four. So I've got some pretty dense bones. There you uh, go. One time I, I, I looked at the DEXA scan and according to the BMI, my, uh, my weight to not be obese which this will touch on how stupid the BMI scale is. Um, I would have to weigh 162 pounds in order to be not obese, on, according to the BMI. And my skeleton and vital organs alone weigh 161.9 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the BMI is something that definitely needs to be done away with, I think. Agree. Because there's just no way to. You're trying to make a blanket rule for everybody and so everybody's densities is so much different that you you could have somebody that matches the BMI, but their bone density is so low, their organ density is so low that they're still unhealthy. So, Well, and then uh, you said something uh, just a minute ago that I want to touch back on. You said high impact. I really don't consider rocking to be generally high impact. I actually consider it to be more of a low impact exercise. Mm that you can turn into a high impact exercise. It all depends on your intensity. You know, yeah. if you just want to go for a nice easy stroll and get the benefits of having, you know, a little bit of extra weight on your back, that's great. If you want to, you know, do, uh, you want to sprint every other telephone pole or you want to take and carry a coupon or you want to try to do a speed ruck, then that ups the intensity. And, you know, that's certainly good for your people who at a, at a higher um, fitness level, but for your lower fitness level people or your your initiates, just getting out there and walking around with a couple of water bottles or um, you know uh, a couple of big textbooks or uh, like me, I have a 35 pound steel plate that I put in my ruck. So you know you can scale it to your level, and it doesn't have to be uh, a big killer exercise routine. I mean, part of uh, my uh, other facets of my personality, I'm a physical therapist assistant um, by trade, but I'm also training to be a holistic health practitioner through the Czech Institute. And one of the things the Czech Institute teaches is that exercise is a stress. So if you've got somebody who's bombarded with electromagnetic uh, stress, and then they've got the emotional stress, and then they've got um, physical stress from eating or from um, you know, working at a desk, all these things stack up on each other. And so adding one more stress of exercise on top of that might not necessarily be the best thing for them. So just getting out and moving in a way that is more mentally, physically, emotionally beneficial is um, the better way to go, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I've got to say I've really enjoyed it getting out especially since I've come to Connecticut I did it on the truck as much as I could there was it was more difficult on the truck because sometimes I had to choose whether or not sleep or exercise mm -hmm. because of schedule and sleep usually ran out because one out because I had to drive you know 11 hours a day but when I've gotten here just getting outside with that pack on is just phenomenal and I for me I've adjusted up and down as I go I might do a couple of days of a harder ruck and then I will take a day with no weight whatsoever and let my knees recover and just kind of stretch things out but 
I guess one of the reasons why I considered it a little bit higher impact is because I have a bit of terrain here and in the mm -hmm. woods. So I'm going up and down some hills and some valleys. So there, for me, it's not the most high impact, but even, you know, you're coming down with weight. If you're, even if you're walking downstairs, that's going to be without weight, that's going to be a higher impact. And I'm trying to neg negotiate rocks and logs and things as I'm going down, but you're absolutely correct the times that i've done it in the uh in the urban settings i might be on a flat plane just walking for a while mm -hmm. a little bit of weight and so that yeah that was far less impact than what i currently do right yeah it's got to be nice up there uh because i always enjoy it when i get out in the woods and and do a little um the japanese actually have a word for it and i can't remember what it is but they call it force maybe yeah, yeah. And that, that is, that is so good for you. Um, I'm not sure how adding a ruck onto it either adds or detracts from it, but I like to think that it, it adds to it. And so it probably does. And this, this is just for a personal standpoint. One of the th reasons why I enjoy it so much is I love to hike. I love to be in outdoors and I've been sitting on my duff in the truck for quite a long time, seven years plus recovery from injury. So for me, this is retraining myself to be able to get back into hiking and backpacking and things like that. So being in this area where I can be out in the woods at the same time and go hike and carry the, it, it's the perfect training for that. But for your rucking, it's not just backpacking and walking. You do other exercise with the rucksack. Right. And so you, you bring in all kinds of different aspects in there. So tell us a little bit about some of the things that you do with a rucksack that will vary your training up a little bit and, and strengthen those muscles you wouldn't think about ruck, rucking strengthening. Well, I mean, you got to think back to the primal movement patterns of human beings is um, we weren't meant to sit as much as we do. We were meant to, you know, spend a couple hours a day, you know, tracking down animals and then, you know, slaughtering them, carrying them back to our home and then spending the rest of the day kind of just resting and teaching our kids and, and protecting our, our uh, encampments. So it's more important for me to vary the movements than to, uh, you know, try to do those longer rucks sometimes because we just, you need to move, use it or lose it kind of thing. And yeah. so uh, incorporating squats is a great way to, um, uh, add in a primal movement pattern. You can do bear crawls with a ruck on just, I recommend getting like a hip belt or something. So you don't have it hitting you in the back of the head the entire time. Um, you can, you can do ruck drags. You can do kettlebell swings, uh, one arm kettlebell swings. If you, if you're really, uh, looking to vary it up, you can do, um, like one legged, um, bent over, um, like ruck pickups. Uh, there, there are just so many different beneficial movements that you can do. Just carrying the ruck on your back is a ben beneficial movement because you got to think about it. I, I get this all the time is people go, I can't ruck. I have a bad back. Maybe, maybe not. It, why do you have a bad back? You're, it, you, typically, people are going to have problems with their back at the L3 lumbar vertebrae level. And that also is the... Uh, lumbar vertebrae that is stabilized by your lower abdominal. So if you're not engaging your lower abdominals and you're not stabilizing that low back, you're going to have hypermobility there and you're going to, it's going to cause pain and cause other problems. 
Um, I get a lot of people like uh, one of my ruck club members, uh, she took in, started rucking and she hasn't had to go back to the chiropractor because she's engaging her abdominals much better and her back's not hurting as much now. So it, it's, it gets things firing that uh, aren't used to firing in your day-to-day life. Yeah, that's, it's definitely done that for me because I've, I've noticed that aside from the problems that I've been having on my knee, because I, I, I was injured in a car accident and mm-hmm. part of my injuries was back problems and then sitting for a long time weakened my spine, weakened everything. So I've noticed that getting out and rucking is been definitely helping to strengthen the core. It's helped me actually drop some visceral fat because of, I believe, strengthening those muscles there. And uh, it, my, I've been waking up with less pain in general, unless it's the, um, ouch, I worked out too hard pain. (laughs) Delayed onset muscle soreness, my friend. Yes. And that seems to be more amplified as you get older. But um, what what initially brought you into rucking? What was the what was the attraction to it? Um, I, I was actually working out at a CrossFit gym here in my hometown, and I met a one of the coaches at the gym. Told me about go ruck, and I when I was in high school, I was like dead set on the military. And when I got out of high school, I tried going in and at the military entrance processing station. Uh, they said I was too heavy, which at the time I was probably about 220. Um, and I had been wrestling. I was 19th in the state of Ohio in heavyweight division wrestling. Uh, and they said, no, you're too heavy. You're going to have to come back after you lose some weight. So I went back to school and got my degree in applied health science and I got heavier. <laughs> and so when I finally decided to do something about it, I went into CrossFit, met um, this guy, Mike, and he told me about Go Ruck, and I'm just like, this sounds awesome. I'm going to start training. So I got my first ruck, which was like a 5'11 Rush 48, and I would just ruck around. Uh, there's like a mile of loop around the, the CrossFit gym I was going to that I would just go do that, and then after about I think it was about six months of that. I did my first go rock event and I was hooked. I couldn't imagine not doing another one. Uh, it was just so much fun, but at the same time, so much challenging. And then it still sucked a lot at the same time too. So it's that perfect mix of bitter and sweet at the same time. Yeah. It's, you know, that's true with hiking as well. You know, you hike all day long, you see the most beautiful thing, but sometimes that, pain of of getting out there into the woods and especially if you're backpacking and camping you know you don't mm-hmm. have can't go soak in a bathtub or something like that when you're done but it is a uh, to me it seems like the perfect exercise uh routine for our current times because mm-hmm. a lot of people have fallen off their fitness routines because they can't get to their local gym because of the lockdowns of the COVID stuff. And they really won't work out at home doing your typical body weight exercises because especially for a lot of the guys or even the girls, there's a social aspect aspect mm-hmm. to going to the gym. And I think that's what drives people to go. It's, you know, guys, a lot of times it's showing off girls. It's, it's the social, sometimes even with the girls it's showing off. 
with one another. But Ruck has its own social aspect. You can do it by yourself if you want to, but there's a community of, of Ruckers that goes out. So that could, that not being in the gym, you could still be part of a fitness community and be outdoors. And has the COVID thing changed that community all how things operate or i i don't think so because you know typically um the go ruck ruck clubs like the one i run here uh we usually fly under the radar as it is um but you know you just it you can adapt it i mean yeah you can still wear the the mask and you can stay six feet apart but you know you're outdoors you're exercising uh you can still be social um sure we're not going to be doing you know, the close contact kind of stuff. Like last year, my ruck club did a buddy ruck where, um, a buddy carry ruck, I should say, where we did, I think, six miles, but the last mile of it, we had to have at least, um, I think it was 20% of the participants had to be carried for the last mile. So I think there were six of us. So that means uh, I think we had two people that were being carried for the last mile. And we, were, we would stop and rotate because obviously not everybody in my club is the same fitness level. So we would have to, um, you know, stop, take a quick breather. So that last mile was a really long mile. We've not, we're not doing buddy carry rucks, but we can still do, um, I'm getting ready to do an ice cream ruck where I'm going to take my ruck club from one of the local parks to an ice cream place. And, you know, I won't probably be getting ice cream, but it's a good way to get the families involved, have the kids come out get them rucking. Uh, I've done brew rucks before. We've done zero dark 30 rucks where we ruck in the middle of the night. You know, you can, you can just, you know, do different things. A lot of the big thing with the go ruck community is um, fundraising. Uh, I know just this past weekend, there was a lot of talk about the Cadre Rooney Memorial event, the Snowdrop event. Snowdrop is a foundation up in Wisconsin that helps with um, pediatric uh, uh, cancer um, support. There are kids up there who um, catch different types of cancer, and then uh, uh, later on in life, they'll help send them to college or they'll help support their families while they're undergoing treatment. And so a big thing we just did was the Snowdrop Light where um, we did it virtually where people in their different locations did their own version of a, of a go ruck light and just kind of got out there and, and worked as a community to suffer in memory of uh, a good friend of mine. And tell us, tell us a little bit more about the events that the go ruck does or your rucking organization, different rucking organizations do. Um, the main one right now is go ruck. Uh, they have a heavy, tough, light and then they have the star courses and then in addition to that they also do like firearms training and survival training um a heavy is about 24 plus hours long i think i've done about three of those or four of those to date now um i've uh, the tough is uh 10 to 12 hours long and i don't know how many of those i've done at this point a lot uh, and then the lights are usually about five to six hours long. Uh, and then with the star courses, you've got a lot more options there. They've got a 50-mile star course um, because that, the, the star course is based on something Teddy Roosevelt and then uh, John Kennedy did uh, where they rucked uh, 50 miles around D.C. 
but if 50 miles isn't your thing, they also have a, a, a marathon 26.2. They have a 15K, 10K, and 5K. So there's a, there's a flavor for everyone there, despite how what your fitness level might be. Yeah, it's, I've been looking at some of the events, and they look pretty cool. I've, uh, I haven't had the uh, time to actually go participate in one or, or look around to see if there was a rucking community here in Connecticut yet. But I've seen that you can earn patches, so it's almost like a video game where you're earning your little badges, you yeah. know, as you as you do your thing so there's definitely some cool interaction there you have the community aspect which that that's also something in covid now that that plays a whole huge role in our health is human connection and i think that's one of the things that's driving a lot of people nuts right now is is they were able to go for so long because they thought there was an ending in sight. Now there's not an ending and people are really feeling that need for human connection that to get out to talk to you know for some people, physical contact and way the rucking works, you can actually get out there and do that. You can talk to people, you can have a partner, even if you got to socially distance from one another, but you still have that community. You can get out and you're outdoors, which is another aspect of mental health that plays a huge role. And, and so it's, it's pretty cool. So I have to imagine that rucking, not only does it add stress to your body, but it also has to remove a lot of the mental stress that people are currently experiencing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there, there are good types of stress and there are bad types of stress and, you know, exercises is technically a good kind of stress, but it's just those people who are overburdened with other things that it might not necessarily be good for, but all in all, rucking is probably a great de-stressor because of, like you said, the outdoor component, the uh, social aspects um, and, you know, just the general, um, you get fresh air, you're not, you're, you're moving, you're seeing people that you don't, you know, see on a regular basis or, or, but you want to see on a regular basis kind of thing. Um, it's, it, I think it's just so perfect. I, I, I love it so much and I, I can't imagine not doing it at this point. Yeah, I got to tell you, I've it's becoming one of my favorite exercise routines and and I'm enjoying it more than when I was going to the gym and working out and trying to either do powerlifting or bodybuilding whatever I was doing before. I'm enjoying it a lot more because of the outdoor aspect of it, getting outside, the fresh air, the re mental reset that you feel when you're done. Not only is this working you out, but it's it's also helping with another level of your physiology through the stress and everything. And it definitely been true for me. And I would argue that it's actually better than going to the gym in some aspects. And, you know, I, we're, I'm talking in generals right here. So I don't want like 30 million emails saying, Oh my God, give up the gym for, for rucking. No, no, no. And that's not what I'm saying is um, if you're using exercise machines, you know, weightlifting um, machines like the Nautilus or, or something like that, those really restrict your core stabilization. And so you're essentially targeting muscles, but you're not integrating them into your nervous system and your body doesn't know how to work with, um, in, work in concert with those muscles, then <clears throat> you're really doing yourself a disservice. And, uh, you know, if you're using free weights, free weights are always going to be better because you're engaging your core and you're getting uh, a better workout that way. 
but in in my opinion, the only time you should be using exercise machines is if you're uh, a female and you're kind of going, you know, through your menstruation cycle where your core is going to be essentially uh, wrecked anyway because of all the the changes going on there. Uh, other than that, you know, machines are not my friend. Well, one of the aspects that I see too is I can typically work out harder with feeling less of the impact when I ruck compared to when I'm at the gym. And I think there's a psychological factor because when I'm outside, there's other things kind of distracting me, uh, enjoying the nature and things like that. And I'm just going. And mm -hmm. before I know it, it's, it's an hour. Whereas if I'm in the gym, I'm completely focused on what I'm doing. There's not a whole lot of things. It's that, I guess that entertainment factor in the brain where if you're if your brain is being activated in different ways you can go past and maybe not feel the pain that you know, physical exertion that you're doing because you're mentally distracted uh not in a bad way whereas at the gym you're completely focused so you you know what you're doing and you know like oh it, this is 10 reps i'm supposed to be hurting now now i'm hurting yeah sometimes and, you can walk into the gym with a plan whereas with rocking it's it's kind of dynamic and you can change it up on the fly. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're bored of going for distance, then you can stop and, you know, pull that ruck off and start doing some gym exercises. If you don't want to do the gym exercises, you can go for distance. I, I can tell you there've been many a time where I'll get into the zone when I'm rucking around my neighborhood and, you know, I'll be like, all right, one more mile, just one more mile. And then, you know, I get done with that mile. Eh, that wasn't so bad. Let's go another mile. And, you know, there'd be, I, I intend to do four miles and I end up doing six miles or something. Yeah. For me, it's just like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And I'm like, oh, I plan to do this loop around here. Cause I don't count the miles until I'm done. And mm -hmm. the way I count the miles is I know how, how long the loop trails are. So I know how many times I went through so I can estimate the miles from there. My uh, phone doesn't really work out here that well, yeah. so I can't really track the miles that way. But I, I've noticed that I'll, I'll just be having fun cruising through. And I'm like, before I know it, I'm like, man, I went through that loop about four times now. So now I'm like, I'm up to like nine miles. This is pretty awesome. <laughs> and I don't even feel it. Right. It's it. I think that psychological aspect is, is a great way to, you can, achieve things surprisingly that you didn't realize you could achieve before you, well, you know you may have price limits on uh with with rocking like in an urban setting you discover a lot of stuff you didn't know about like yeah. uh, you know where you're at you might learn about new trails or you might uh find a, a more scenic place but for me one of the things i started doing was i i played the ingress game which is like pokemon go except it came before Pokemon Go. And um, that allowed me to discover, you know, a lot of landmarks that I never knew were really there, a lot of street art that was never really there. And so now I have a better sense of my community. Or if I go into a new city, I pull up a Ingress app and, you know, try to hit a couple of different points there and just see what I can find. Yeah, that's, that's uh, definitely a great point. I know they have an app too, where it'll take you around to all the historical places and tell you the history of it. And there's been people doing it with um, kind of like the new version of Google Glass 
glasses mm-hmm. where it gives you the augmented reality. So as they're going through, it's giving them little histories of the different places, like you're doing a museum tour virtually. Can and- I just say, like, augmented reality is the thing I've been waiting for playing first-person shooter games all my life because <laughs> I, 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 ever since I played Halo ODST, I was like, man, if I could just have glasses that showed me where to go when I'm trying to drive to my patients' houses. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we, it's, it's kind of been a, a hiccup starting thing with Google Glass not taking off. But now some other companies are trying to do some, some different aspects of it. I've seen some of the heads up displays that they have on the, the single eyepiece now that they're coming out with. And something like that would be great for getting outdoors and, and rucking, even if it's just keeping you, you know, finding where you need to go. But um, some of the ones I've seen where it'll, it, you'll be passing like a restaurant and it'll tell you what that restaurant is and what they do and what, you know, how their star rating is and, or this museum that you didn't know was over here. So it's pretty cool. Now you are the keto rucker. So nutrition definitely plays a big role in what you're doing. And I remember hearing on the podcast before that you were one of the few keto ruckers at the time. And is that changed at all? Is it more people getting into keto and rucking? Uh, I've seen a couple more uh, get involved. I, I actually run the Keto GRT, um, Keto Go Rock Tough group on Facebook. Um, and I think I've got about 130-ish members there. Um, but uh, one person I see on Instagram all the time goes by Keto Apostle. And he, um, I, I see he rucks and he likes to um, uh, take and uh, talk about the different uh kind of rucking programs out there that people can kind of get started with. Um, and he kind of reps on some keto nutrition stuff. But as far as I know, there isn't a whole lot of keto ruckers out there um, that are as vocal as him or I. Um, and it's sometimes it's one of those things where people are just, they're trying out keto and it works for them for a while and then they got to switch to something else and that's okay. Um, I, I know it says keto rucker, but I'm not opposed to using other tools in the tool bag to um, promote health. I, at one point I was vegan. Uh, I was uh, doing the sad diet for her most of my life. Uh, so, you know, whatever you can find to get you healthy, I'm all for doesn't have to be just keto. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's something that we, we try to promote on the show quite a bit is, you know, even though keto worked for me, there's that thing of biodiversity and people are going to respond differently to different things. Carnivore may work great for some people. Some people don't respond well to meat. There's a tick out there that if you get bit by, you can get a, mm. a virus that'll cause you to be allergic to meat. Can't do it. So it's important to I think it's really important for people to explore what works for them. And uh, for me, keto has been the thing and that's what I stick with. Were you keto before you started rucking or did you become keto after you started rucking? Uh, I don't think I started keto until I think my third year of rucking. Um, It was one of those things where the first year I I did like two events. Uh, Maybe it was the fourth year. I'm not sure now. But the first year I did two events. The second year, I think I did about four or five events and then it just kept growing exponentially and I wasn't changing size. I was doing more activity and I I was still like 330 pounds. And you, you got to wonder 
is activity the key? Am I not doing enough? Because I'm, I'm going for 10, 12 hours, you know, every other weekend for most of the summer and uh, I'm not losing any weight. So something had to change. And so um, I kind of started playing around. I read Tim Ferriss's five hour body or four hour body and he talked about keto in there. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And his thing was cyclical keto, you know, where you have that one cheat day. I'm like, well, why am I doing a cheat day? Why don't I, couldn't I just get faster results if I just stay keto all the time? And, you know, so, you know, I took and uh, started to refine how I did my keto. I started tracking macros and, and kind of learning how to manipulate macros and the weight just kept falling off. It was, I used to have this visualization um, where I wish I could just step into my shower and turn the hot water on and the, the weight would just melt off. And um, when I started keto, that's kind of like what it was like is every time I would step on the scale, it was like another two pounds came off and then another pound and a half and another three quarters of a pound until before you know it, I had, I went from 330 all the way down to 204 lightest. And uh, suddenly the events were getting easier. I, I, you know, it didn't, doesn't take me five days to recover from a tough. It only takes me like one. And I, you know, my, I, I used to look at the heavy and go, I'm never going to be able to do that. 24 hours, I'll die. I'll have a heart attack doing that. And, you know, uh, two years ago, I did two of them in a month. When you were transitioning into keto, did you notice uh, it affects your performance, your endurance, or how you how you uh, how long you were able to go while you were metabolically transitioning from a carbohydrate burner to a fat burner? Oh yeah, um, like I was talking about how I would do like four mile rucks that turned into six mile rucks. There would be days where I just get home and I just I gotta move. I got to move. And so I'd get out there and I could just, I could keep on rocking. If I, if, if it weren't for the fact that it takes a little bit of time sometimes to be out there, I would have just kept on going. I'd done, um, one of the first uh, events I did when I was keto, uh, was a, um, water survival event. And we were up in Traverse city, Michigan, way up there at the end of the mitt. And, uh, the water temperature, I think, at, was about 60 degrees, and the air temperature was dropping. And I could tell that I could just handle the the water a lot better. Uh, I didn't need as much food throughout the event. You know, you see these people um, who are almost constantly eating on these events, trying to keep their blood glucose up. And whereas me burning ketones, you know, a little bit of you know uh, nuts here or um, like on the heavies, I would do one keto brick and that would last me, you know, for the whole 24 hours until I could um, get some substantial food after uh, an event like that. Um, but just generally my, my need for water and my need for food on these events has decreased significantly. And my overall performance has only gotten better with time. I, I can do um, multiple events back to back. One of the things that I'm still working on is trying to tackle the HTL, which is heavy, tough, light. And basically it's 46 hours of getting the crud beat out of you. Um, but you do a heavy and then you take a short break and then you do a tough and then you get a short break and then you do a light. Um, to date, I've only been able to do a tough light, uh, but I've done uh, plenty of those. 
And the problem now is heavies, uh, heavy tough lights are uh, very rare. They only hold them a few times a year now. So um, I have to kind of get strategic with my planning when I do see one pop up on the radar. And if it's close by, then I'll probably attempt it. But if it's some something where I got to get on plane and fly, logistics become an issue. Yeah, I could definitely see that right now, especially. Um, I mean, just for backpacking, when I was trying to get my backpack put on sometimes on the planes mm -hmm. with the gear that I was hauling, you know, they're looking inside and they're seeing my hatchet. My, they're yeah. like, yeah, why are you bringing this on the plane? I'm like, it's going to be in the, the belly. Yeah, it's going to be it. Yeah. yeah, so, but um, the, just the size of, you know, especially for me, I'm a bigger guy. So like my sleeping bag's bigger. Like I'll pack the same amount of gear as somebody else, but the volume is much larger because of the fact that everything is bigger than most other people, what they carry, especially like my sleeping bag and my, my clothes. But let's talk a little bit because there's a lot of what I've seen, a lot of correlation between backpacking and, and rucking. And one of the things that people do, especially for like these longer rucks, like your toughs, um, your heavies, people are packing their, their meals to go with them. And for keto, there's not as many options available for us to, to maintain a keto diet and have either packable food or if you're stopping at a place to eat. So what are some of the things that you bring along with you to, to have to eat if you're doing one of those long rucks where you're going to have maybe breakfast, lunch, and dinner while you're out of it? Um, for the most part, um, my first go-to is the keto brick. It, it's, it's small. It's fairly light. Um, and it's calorically dense. I mean, it's a thousand calories. So, um, when I get into like a, on a heavy, I think usually when we hit the morning, which is about the halfway point, when you start seeing sunlight, you're kind of, you, you, you get a, you get a little bit of a boost there. Um, keto brick is a great thing to down. And, and so that I keep my energy level up through the day. Uh, cause when you're doing like a 24 hour event, it's cold at night and it's warm in the day. So you got to be kind of, you got to be flexible with your temperatures. Um, so I like keto bricks are great. Uh, Billetong is great uh, because, you know, all the regular jerky out there is just so loaded with sugar and MSG and all sorts of things that um, I really don't need complicating my day. So uh, that's great. Um, I like to use ZipFizz for electrolytes. Um, it's, it's not ideal because of the caffeine. But hey, if you're going 24 hours, a little caffeine might be just what you need. Yeah. Um, Ultima Replenisher is a good source of electrolytes as well. But it's one of those things where I also don't like to carry a lot of those electrolyte power, powders on me because they can get messy. And plus then I have to carry a separate bottle because I'm not going to put them in my water bladder because my water bladder is strictly full of water and nothing else. Because I've seen um, GORUCK people basically get Montezuma's revenge because they put, you know, Gatorade or um, these electrolyte powders in their bladder and then they never clean it out after the event. And so the next event they're sucking on it and they're getting that bacteria in their gut and then it just tears them up after they're done. So typically in my water bladder, I'm only doing um, the three liters of water that carries and I do a couple pinches of sea salt in there just to keep the electrolyte balance up and, and keep some kind of uh, nutritional density in my water as well. Yeah, I've been using the uh, keto chow drops in mine because they're flavorless. 
and okay. I can play with the magnesium things. The one thing that I've been adding a little bit more lately to is uh, potassium. And I usually use new salt or no salt. And I've, cause I, I deal with the leg cramps and I found that up in the potassium just a bit can kind of help with all that. So that's the one modification I do. But when it comes to my bladder, I'm definitely not putting the flavored stuff in there because it, it can make your bladder taste funky after a while. Oh, yeah. So even when it's washed out, the, the plastic on those bladders seems to absorb everything. Yeah, so, that's one of the downsides of that is I have, I've yet to find a silicone bladder um, or, you know, something that because, you know, plastics are going to have those xenoestrogens and so that's kind of a, a downside to it so like when i'm kind of rucking um close to home i opt more to you know using glass bottles and things like that for hydration and then when i do those long rucks a little bit of plastic isn't going to kill me um yeah. but it's one of those things where you know, you, you gotta you gotta look at all of the different environmental factors yeah i i mean for me staying hydrated is is a big key and the uh, electrolytes play a huge role, but even when I'm rucking locally around here, I carry my bladder with me to drink on because of the fact that it's you get so hot and humid, you're sweating a lot. And the next thing you know, and it's not necessarily I'm worried about temperature emergencies, but like I said, the cramping in the legs and the, and the calves and everything like this, that's my goal of staying hydrated is to prevent that cramping. What are some other types of exercises, maybe support exercises that you do in conjunction to rucking for, let's say, flexibility or maybe some core training or something that you, you do that is in conjunction maybe to help you ruck? Uh, I'm a big, big fan of core training. Uh, rucking in itself is a type of core training, but it's not necessarily hitting everything that you need. Because uh, uh, if you think about how a person walks, um, you literally do not need legs to walk. Uh, there was a um, drug that was released in the UK, I think back in the 80s, um, and pregnant women were taking this drug. It was an antibiotic. And they ended up having children that were born without arms and legs. And if you watch a video of, of these people walking, um, their hips are moving, but it's mostly rotation around the spine. So, you know, your core is, is generating the motion and then your legs are amplifying it like this, the fin of a fish. So um, if you take care of your core, that's going to allow you to stabilize everything there first. And then you won't have this breakdown of compensatory patterns. Uh, compensatory pattern means that something in the core is not firing. So something in the arms or the legs has to take over because the core is not doing its job. And if it's not doing its job, those parts of your extremities are doing things that they weren't designed to do. And then they're going to break down faster. So a lot of uh, people I see in my professional practice, the knee replacements, the hip replacements, the low back injuries are because they created wear and tear because their core wasn't firing correctly. Either they were working a job where they weren't engaging their core or they had multiple children and they didn't get their core rehab correctly because the, the medical community's idea of how a woman should come back um, after pregnancy is horrible. Uh, it just is. 
Um, women, I'm so sorry. You guys deserve better than what the medical community is giving you right now. Uh, six weeks and then saying you can go back to uh, uh, normal activity is uh, atrocious. There should be a lot more. There should be physical therapy. Um, there, there, there should be better education right now. So core training is a huge, huge aspect of what I recommend to people. Um, free weightlifting is the other thing I recommend uh, because if you're, if you take and learn to stabilize the core and lift weight, then you can move coupons better. You can, you know, move your partner better. You can move yourself better. Uh, and then, you know, flexibility training is a big uh, component as well, but I caution people with flexibility training um, because you may be stretching something that doesn't need to be stretched. There are two different types of muscles in the body. There are tonic and there are phasic. Tonic muscles are your stabilizer muscles. So mostly you're going to be in the core and kind of linking the core to the extremities. And then your phasic muscles are your, your fast moving, you know, fast twitch muscle fibers. And those are, are going to get bigger with training. So if you're stretching um, a tonic muscle that isn't overly tight, then you're making one of your stabilizers more loose. And that potentially could open you up for injury. Uh, I hear stories um, through my check training of yogis who, you know, they can bend themselves into knots, but they've got all sorts of pain. And that's because they're stretching stuff that shouldn't be stretched. Yeah, I don't think that's something that anybody ever talks about that much. The, the muscles that are and ligaments that are not supposed to be stretched out that far, that get stretched out and then make you more prone to aggravation, injury. Um, that's, I don't think I've ever heard anybody bring that up. So that's pretty cool. So we're coming up on an hour here, and I'd like to close out the interview with basically five standard questions. And these questions are really meant to give people more resources and possibly see either new perspectives or, uh, or where people think the same way on certain topics and, and, and provide a, uh, um, a consensus. So my first question is always, who are your top five health heroes? Check is the first one. Uh, he, he's trained a lot of Olympic athletes, and he's a guy who lives what he teaches. So he's number one. Uh, number two is Thomas Myers. He's actually a, a, a body worker therapist um, who I learned uh, a lot of myofascial um, manipulation through his, well, not manipulation, but mobilization uh, through his book, Anatomy Trains. So if you, if you want a great book on how to uh, taken, uh, loosen up the body. Definitely pick that up. Uh, what was that again? It was called Anatomy Trains by Thomas Myers. And then um, Sergei Grakovetsky would be another hero of mine. He is a, a scientist who wrote the book, The Spinal Engine. This book is not very light reading. It's very technical, so I don't recommend it for most people. But that's, he basically was the pioneer behind saying that most of the rotation comes from the spine and, you know, the arms, the legs really just amplify things. Um, that's three. Uh, I'm trying to think, uh, who else do I have on that list? I actually thought about this and now I've already forgotten it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Robert Sykes is, a, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, 
he, he uh, is a great businessman. He's a great human being. Uh, and uh, he's, he's a fantastic uh, athlete. And then um, probably my fifth one would be uh, Cadre DS. Uh, his, uh, Cadre DS uh, stands for Dan Skidmore. Uh, he uh, is one of the go route cadre, and he's just a very uh, inspirational guy. He he takes in. I love the events that he does, and uh, he, he's just a he's a, a fantastic human being. He used to be um, a combat air controller, which is a really cool job. He was the guy that would go around uh, with special operations and call in for um, medical evacs from helicopters, but he'd also um, kind of coordinate drones that were circling overhead along with support gunships and um, fighter jets and things like that. So he had a really neat job and he's a, he's a really good person. Yeah, man, I've, I've seen a lot of the guys coming out in the fitness community that used to be military and they bring a different mindset to them that they can be, because of the training, that, but I think it's also there's something innate in there that is very inspirational and you can learn a lot from. So my next question is in nutritional based. The next two are, what are three foods you think everybody should include in their diet? Uh, three foods everyone should include in their diet. Um, I'm a big fan of pork belly. I think it's the perfect ketogenic food. Uh I typically smoke mine, which is not necessarily the best thing because you're adding a little bit of histamines to it. But uh, really, if you're looking for a way of upping your fat intake without adding carbs like you would with dairy, pork belly is great. Um, trying to stick to the more cruciferous vegetables and leafy greens, I think, is a, a good thing to incorporate um, sporadically. You don't have to eat them every day, um, but taking in and getting those in there periodically is good. And then um, I would say uh, um, salt. Salt is, is a very um, good food. I add it to my water. I don't, you know, I don't go overboard. If you're adding uh, salt to your water, you should not be able to taste it. It's, you know, for uh, a 16.9 ounce bottle of water, I put a pinch in. That's it. And so if I'm doing like my three liter uh, rucking bladder on an event, I'll do a couple of pinches of salt. Um, but that's just a fantastic way uh, to maintain your electrolytes and um, get your water in at the same time. Uh, my recommendation for water too is about half your body weight in ounces. Uh, salt's a big one for me too. Uh, Redmond's regularly goes into my water. And uh, if I can't get Redmond's, it's usually Celtic Grey or Pink Himalayan. But Redmond's usually my top go-to. Yeah, I, I like uh, Redmond's. And uh, I use more of the Celtic because it dissolves a little bit better. I noticed with the Redmond's, you get those, those real uh, heavy uh, minerals that they have in their, theirs. They don't dissolve as good. But um, I've never had a problem with them either. Uh, I like yeah. using their Relight uh, um, yeah. powder. Yeah, definitely relights really good and you get a little flavor there too uh, i do like to use the keto chow because of no flavor mm -hmm. but the, if you want a little flavor the uh the relights a great way to go and sometimes you know you, you just want something more than water what are three foods you think everybody should avoid oh uh, uh just three <laughs> um uh, any kind of um processed uh 
grain. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is when grains are, are processed, either uh, they are sprayed with a desiccant, which can be uh, glyphosate sometimes, or they can just sit around too long and actually get moldy. And a big thing that the Czech Institute teaches is you are what you, you are what your food eats. So if, if you're eating moldy grains, you're going to take that mold into your body and that's going to uh, create mycotoxins in your own self. But if they, if the mold, the grains are too moldy, they're going to feed them to the cattle and the cattle are going to eat that. And then you're going to eat the cattle. Cattle can take seven pounds of food and compact it into one pound of meat. So you're just getting concentrated toxins then if you're eating that. So factory um, farmed meats are not really a, a food that I think people should be eating. Uh, I, tr I try to get mine from a local uh, farmer. If I can get organic, I will get organic, but that can be a little bit prohibitive from the cost. Actually, uh, there was a study done, I think back in the like 1800s, where they looked at um, produce that was that was coming out. And at that time, the heads of lettuce weren't as nutritionally dense as they were 50 years ago. So imagine now how bad it has, has gotten is our food is just absolutely depleted. So um, trying to just stay away from any kind of factory farmed or processed meat or vegetables is ideal. Try to get organic when you can because uh, you're going to get more nutritional density there. And if you have more nutritional density, there's less likelihood of overeating because you're getting more of the nutrition in your body wants. Uh, and then uh, the third thing, I would, I, I want to always default to um, plant vegetable oils. Uh, obviously, canola oil, palm seed oil are uh, absolutely atrocious for your health. But I even caution people on cooking with olive oil. I, I, I only like to use olive oil if I'm uh, eating like a salad because olive oil is even going to break down and, and give you some of those free radicals if you're working at high enough temperatures. The, uh, the next question I ask is if there is a nutritional myth that you can dispel, just get rid of overnight from the, the current zeitgeist or dogma of our culture, what would that be? Oh, that's an easy one. No pain, no gain. Is I, I, I was introduced to this the first job I had out of physical therapy school was uh, no pain, no gain, no brain. If you're getting pain, it's for a reason. So you need to evaluate what's not working or what's tight, what needs to be stretched. And I mean, that can be applied to more than just exercise. That can be um, applied to nutrition itself. If you're, you know, not getting a regular um, movement through the digestive tract, then that can be a sort of pain. Uh, if you're not happy in your job and, or with your family life, that is an emotional or mental pain and you need to evaluate that and, and change your life in, in some way that takes that away. I think that would be the, the, the best advice for anyone is no pain, no gain, no brain. Now, this one's probably going to be a real interesting question for you because you are in the medical industry. But what is something in, if you could change something overnight in, in modern medicine to make things better for patient care, what would that be? Upstream thinking. Too much of our medicine is reactive, not proactive. Uh, I think if 
we did a better job of trying to prevent disease rather than just treat it, uh, we would we would be a lot more effective and we have a lot less spending. There's a real good book, and I can't remember the name of the author, but it's called Upstream. And he tells a story at the beginning of the book. It says, uh, hey, you and your friend are, are standing next to this, this stream, and suddenly you see this kid come floating down the stream screaming for help. So you and your friend jump in and save the kid. And then a little while longer, another kid comes floating down and you guys jump in and you rescue the kid, and, you know, and then uh, it happens a third time and your friend starts taking off and you're like, where are you going? We got to rescue this kid. And he's like, we're going to go find out who the a-hole is upstream that's throwing these kids in, in the stream. That's uh, going to the root cause is, is something that we don't do enough in this country in so many ways. I mean, there's so many problems we could be avoiding if we just looked at root causes. It breaks my heart every time I have to go in and rehab um, a diabetes patient that's had, you know, their toes cut off or have gotten a below the knee amputation or uh, has a wound from an ulcer from, uh, you know, sitting too much or, you know, my father, he passed away from complications from diabetes. He had a wound on each shin that just wouldn't heal. And then eventually he sat so much and his body weight decreased so much that he got a wound on his rear end that you could basically take a gloved hand and touch his uh, pelvis without touching meat. So, mm. you know, diabetes is draining the system. And if we got a better uh, way of educating people on how to avoid it and get ahead of it before it becomes a problem, we will have done two things. We'll have decreased spending and we'll have saved a lot of suffering. I definitely agree with that. The fact that we are so, like you said, reactive to the problem rather than preventative is definitely just that alone. Weston A. Price talked about it in the book, uh, nutrition and physical degeneration about how much money was costing the GDP back then for medical care. And he said, if this keeps growing in, it's going to bankrupt. It, it can't be sustainable. I think if we looked at things health wise in a more sustainable manner, it would be staying healthy. So we don't need the medical care. Teaching people how to do that. It's a great way to, to, to just begin. Well, have, have you looked into uh, the Pottinger studies? Yeah, I, I was reading some of the, the Pottinger studies while I was on the truck and the <laughs> the amount of of money that Pottinger was talking about in a lot of his research was just astronomical. And um, the amount of preventable illnesses and things that were just mainly diet based was just Well look life at, look at the world right now. I mean Pottinger basically said by what the third generation of cats, they weren't able to reproduce because they were so malnourished and their DNA was so damaged. He probably didn't say their DNA was damaged. So I'm editorializing a little bit there. But it's the idea that look at now, people are having trouble conceiving. We have more fertility clinics now than there ever was. Um, we've got chronic disease, we've got chronic malnutrition. Uh, you know, things are showing up like rickets that yeah. we thought we had licked. It's going to take four generations before we of correct eating before we can repair this because that's when that's what uh, Pottinger decided was it took four generations to repair 
all the damage they did in basically two. Yeah, and like the the physiological changes from one generation, and that was something that was pointed out by Weston A. Price as well. They were looking at uh, facial changes within one generation of the standard American diet where the jaw was shrinking, the wisdom teeth weren't able to come in, there was deformation in the mouth, and it's just, it's incredible. There's one thing I want to to leave on before we close and I want to demonstrate how inclusive rucking is because some people might be listening to this and they may think this is for you know guys or if this is for you know uh, people of a specific racial background or, or whatever but I've been seeing some of the rucking sites and you have men, women, you have older people, you have mm-hmm. younger people, you have, this is something that regardless of what your background is, skill level is, physical training, uh, that you, I mean, unless you have some sort of catastrophic uh, injury or illness, this is something that you can participate no matter what your background is. Absolutely. There are organizations like Operation Enduring Warrior where they're taking guys who have lost arms and legs um, in combat and running them through go-ruck events. So just because you, even even if you have a physical uh, limitation, uh, there's no reason that you can't come rucking as long as you, you know, you have the supportive equipment to do it. Uh, the, the community just wants people to get out and move. So it doesn't matter if you have a physical disability, if you're old, if you're young, uh, if you're out of shape, you know, you, it goes back to the you did this to you is you're responsible for yourself and you can modify the activity. Um, one of the things I wrote about on my blog is activity modification. And that is, you know, modifying it so you can do it. So does that mean that you rock with like one water bottle? Maybe uh, you don't you don't have to start heavy right off the bat. You can ease your way into this and and kind of test the waters i i've i've got people in my ruck club who've gotten like 20 dollar backpacks off of amazon and all they do is put a couple of um smart water bottles in it and that's what they ruck with hey that's great when they're ready to upgrade their gear game and go a little bit heavier that's fine but in the meantime you know they they do the best they can with what they got and i mean i use a backpackers backpack so you know it's it's what works for me it's what i already had so i can load it with what i want to do and and head off and it's got the support because i got the hip belt and so and there's also it seems to be a growing community of women ruckers as well Mm -hmm. i've seen online so that it is inclusive it's a you know regardless of gender whatever this is a community that you can be a part of All right, everybody, I am going to close out the day and I want to thank Corey for coming on to the show and giving us a really cool alternative exercise that we can do, especially now in these times. But even when the gyms open back up, this may be something that will speak to you a little bit more than going to a building and doing the same static exercises over and over again. Nothing wrong with the gym. Yeah. No, it's no knock against the gym, but sometimes you need alternatives. All right, everybody, have a great day. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us on the Fatty Joe Show. Be sure to leave a comment and subscribe. It helps the show reach more people. To support the show, as well as Carrie Brown and Yogi's work on the blog, keto recipe development, masterclasses, 
And to gain access to private Facebook groups and other awards, go to patreon.com slash the fatty Joe show or patreon.com slash Carrie Brown. Also check out our Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker YouTube channel for video versions of the fatty Joe show recipe videos and more. Join our awesome community on the Facebook group, the keto kitchen with Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker and check out our carriebrown.com website for recipes, blog posts, discounts, cookbooks, masterclasses, and other great stuff. Thank you so much.